Uh, yeah, listen, guys, what we're going to do on today's <laughs> show. <laughs> uh, one of the things what we're going to do on today's show is basically, you know, there's not a lot of new news out there as you know, there's a number of days that come and go without really anything to, legitimately to talk about because there's no new movies really coming out at the moment. And so what we thought we would do today is to get caught up on all the live stuff and all the comments and questions that you guys have been sending in. And uh, we thought we would take today to do that. Oh, and by the way. Um, there, you know, Tenet has been popping up around and Rob, I don't know if you heard this or not, but apparently I'm seeing reports from some people who are saying that they're seeing the Dune trailer playing in front of, uh, Tenet in some place. Have you seen, have you seen that? Have you seen people talking about that? I've seen the trailer. You have seen the trailer, I, but, but it's actually, it's, well, I don't know about the trailer itself. I saw the teaser for the trailer that drops on the 7th. Okay, but I think there's some people are actually saying they're actually showing the trailer for Dune. Oh, because uh, it, it, it's a minute and a half long teaser, and it basically shows all the characters, and it it, it opens with the scene with uh, Mother Mohayim, the the head of the Bene Gesserit, making uh, Paul put his hand in the box. You know, fear is the mind killer. Right, and then it shows all the. And what's really cool is is there's an ornithopter. The the things that fly on Arrakis are called ornithopters, and they flap their they flap wings. And of course, that wasn't David Lynch's Dune, and you get to see one land, and it's so cool. And I, so, I can't wait. So, what did you think of it? Well, you know, I love the tone. And by the way, I I saw a horrible pirated Link. I feel terrible, you know, but um, I couldn't help myself. Uh, it, the characters look great, and all, I mean, all the acting is obviously great, but there wasn't any, there's no, like, scope, there's no real effect shots other than that ornithopter landing, right. and uh, it, all the characters look great, I love the, the vibe of it, but you gotta, come on, man, there's no sandworm, I gotta see a sandworm, and then I'll know. Well, you know, you know, look, if they're going to hold anything back till later, it's going to be the sandworms, like, that. that's what they're going to hold back till later. I need my twister... You know, the, the end shot, the twister shot of the sandworm opening its maw coming out of the sand. Come on. Well, it's it's coming. We're going to be getting that. All right, guys. So this is what we're going to do. Today's show is basically just going to be taking your live comments and questions. If you'd like to, there is still room for it. If you want to get in a live comment or question, uh, you can simply use streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question on the show if it's within reason. And you'll be supporting the show at the same time. And by the way, guys, just you can prep for tomorrow's show, too, when we will get back to having regular topics. And how do we select our main topics? Well, it's easy. You guys select our main topics. By simply going to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. Hit submit. And then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as one of the main topics on the John Campia Show tomorrow. So go ahead and do that. All right, guys. With that down, let's jump right into it today, shall we? And we're going to get things picked up here with an anonymous viewer who writes in, When T'Challa walked through the portal first... Uh, you thought it was a weird choice since Marvel had to know, uh, had to have known by then. Do you think that's why they chose for him to be first knowing the impact of him going uh, first might have in the future RIP to the King. Um, listen, while I do believe that some people at Marvel knew and Rob by some probably one or two, like, I'm thinking Kevin Feige and Alan Horn and maybe nobody else besides that. Um, and I don't know 
to what extent they knew. Um, I mean, they had, I mean, with physicals and insurance and all that kind of stuff, I'm sure they had to know, but I don't know how many of the details they knew. I don't think either way, though, that had anything to do with the option, with the choice of having T'Challa come through first. If you think of it, Rob, from a narrative point of view, it makes sense that he comes through first. You need that. First of all, a lot of the Avengers dusted in Wakanda. Like that's where they all were for, for at least a lot of them. That's where they were. The armies needed to fight. Thanos's armies had to be the Wakandan armies. Also, Black Panther was just nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. So really, I, I think, I don't know what you think about this, Rob, but it, it, no, I mean, it made total sense that the the Wakandan trio would be the first kind of to come uh, walking through that portal. So I, I think that made sense to me. Rob, what do you think? Do you think there was more to it than that? I thought it just made sense for the movie. No, I, I think it made sense for the movie too. I don't think anybody was subtly dropping some kind of a hint or anything like that. Or, or making a statement. All right. Let's move on here. Uh, next up, we have The Sock, who writes, One of two. A month before Guardians of the Galaxy uh, was released, my mom was diagnosed with leukemia. I'm so sorry to hear that, man. My mom was diagnosed with leukemia. I went to see it with some friends, and they all knew what was going on, and they were there for me. Fortunately, she's in re remission. Oh, that's excellent to hear. Uh, unfortunately, that's not the case for Chadwick Boseman. What really tears me up is thinking about uh, his family having to watch him slip away in pain and having to say goodbye for the last time. I only hope that they all have the same support but tenfold. I mean, yeah, I mean, look, and Chadwick Boseman being a celebrity doesn't make his life more valuable than anybody else. Like, I saw a lot of people criticizing the outpouring of love for Chadwick Boseman, saying he was no more important than my great aunt was who died of cancer. Why doesn't anybody care about that? It's not that anybody is suggesting that Chadwick Boseman was more important than any other human being. It's not that at all. But we didn't know your great aunt, you know, and we, we just happened to know Chadwick Boseman. I mean, obviously not in person, but we knew him through the stories that he told that, that his performance in his art touched a lot of us in a lot of different ways. And so it in, impacts us a little bit more than it does say somebody else who we have never known or heard about or whatever. It doesn't make Chadwick Boseman's life or, or the loss of Chadwick Boseman any greater than the loss of anybody else. It's just that we happen to feel it a little bit more because we had, even vicariously, we had that connection to Chadwick Boseman. And so so that's what I would, would, would say to people who say that. Anyway, the sock, I'm very, very happy that you're, it sounds like your mom's in remission. And I'm really glad that you had that support system around you. And I really do hope and I trust that uh, Chadwick Boseman's family uh, has that support system around them as well. All right, next up, Edward Wells writes, uh, New York City Channel 7 played Black Panther without commercials. Yeah, ABC was doing that yesterday and did a tribute uh, for a King special afterwards. Downey, Whitaker, and Felicia Rasad spoke. Uh, hope the Black Panther mantle is passed to someone instead of recasting T'Challa. Yeah, and I didn't get a chance to watch any of that, Rob. I, I didn't get a chance to, to see any of that that was on ABC. But I thought that was a very classy move. Yeah. Uh, on the part of, you know, Disney owns ABC. I thought that was a very classy move of them to do that. It was a really nice uh, lit little tribute. Did, what were your thoughts on that? I, I thought it was terrific that they showed a commercial free. I did watch their tribute video 
And I, I, you know, I thought it was lovely. I thought it was really, really nice. And uh, the fact that they were able to put it together and uh, it's it just, you know, it, he, he, the man meant a lot to a lot of people. And it's it's always nice to see someone whose life and work is honored in such a respectful manner. I agree. Okay. All right. Next up, Peter Tennant writes, uh, Hey, John, uh, I believe we should uh, recast. I don't think Chadwick would want to lose the Black Panther on the big screen. It will be weird like Terrence Howard to Don Cheadle in Iron Man 2 as Rhodey slash War Machine. But we saw uh, we saw the new actor and we went from there. Um I mean, listen, Rob and I had this debate yesterday, and I think I think both of us made some very, very good points. You know, I think there are strong arguments to be made about, you know, what do you do with T'Challa, right? And that that's going to be the, the moving forward in the coming weeks and months, if they haven't already decided, and I kind of suspect they have, but in the coming weeks and months, the decision that... Marvel is going to have to, and Disney by extension is going to have to face is what do we, the primary question is what do we do with T'Challa? Because to me, it's not about Black Panther, right? Otherwise you can just make a movie about his dad, T'Chaka, who was Black Panther at one point or, or any of the, the history. To me, it's not about Black Panther. To me, it's about T'Challa. Black Panther is not about the mantle of Black Panther to me. To me, Black Panther is about that man, T'Challa. But what do you do with T'Challa at this point? Do you put the T'Challa character aside and move forward with the mantle of Black Panther? There are certainly some good arguments to be made for that. Do you carry on what Chadwick, what Chadwick Boseman started uh, with the character of T'Challa and you get somebody to pick up that mantle for him? Or Rob, as you put it, uh, I like the word you use, to succeed, to succeed, right. um, to succeed. I, I mean, I don't know. It's It's... Again, I, I think whatever they do decide to do with that, it's going to be done with the greatest of respect. It's going to be done with the greatest of care. If they decide to put the T'Challa character to the side and move forward with Black Panther mantle, I think they're going to do that with great care, with great excellence, uh, and with great respect. If they choose to get somebody to secede and to, to carry on for Chadwick Boseman in the role and to move forward with all the stories they want to tell T'Challa, I think they'll do that with the greatest of care and the greatest of respect. Um, I, I would say this though, there are some people who say, I mean, to a lot of people, it's just that out there, it just doesn't feel right to now have T'Challa without Chadwick Boseman. And I can respect that. I don't personally agree, but I respect that because I see where you're coming from. There are some people though, Rob, that, and I disagree with this, that say to move forward with T'Challa is somehow disrespectful to Chadwick Boseman. And and I reject that argument. I, I, I accept that there are a lot of people who just doesn't feel right. I get that. But this idea that it's somehow disrespectful, because uh, I'll tell you what. If, um, I think it's Carter, Ruth Carter, uh, who was the costume designer for Black Panther. She won an Academy Award for Black Panther, for, for her costume design. She is the one who created the look of Wakandan culture, mm. of these incredible outfits that, you know, T'Challa and his family would wear, what you'd see. the I mean, really, she brought Wakanda to life with the fashion and the clothing and the costuming of that movie, and she won an Academy Award. I, I think if, heaven forbid, she had tragically passed away, 
nobody would be saying it would be disrespectful to make another Black Panther movie because she's the one who came up with these designs and the look of that culture. You should not make anything that shows Wakandan culture with people wearing Wakandan clothes. Nobody would be suggesting that. Nobody would say that. So I, I disagree, and, and nor did anybody come out, Rob, when Stan Lee passed away, nobody came out and said, oh, it'll be disrespectful to make any more movies with Marvel characters. That would be disrespectful to Stan Lee. Right. No, it wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. I, and so I, I disagree with that. I get, I do get the other argument, like what you were saying yesterday, Rob. I do get the other argument that some may say this presents an opportunity to embrace what, you know, the mortality of heroes and say T'Challa passed away and move forward that way. And, and I and I get there's just a lot of people that maybe for them it might feel weird. And therefore, that's why they're kind of against that. And I was, I I get that. That that I have no problem with. But this idea that somehow would be disrespectful to Chadwick Boseman, I don't buy that for a second. Like I, I don't. I, I think it's more about them than it is about Chad than than it is about disrespect to Chadwick. But I, I, I don't know. Whatever the case may be, Rob, on that. But um, well, uh, look, I I agree with you too about the idea of respect. I don't think it's you know there were people that are that bullied Elizabeth Olsen off social media because she wasn't quick enough to step in with her thoughts about Chadwick Boseman's passing. I know how she pathetic left. is that? How pathetic and, is you know, that? It, I, I mean, you know, everybody grieves in their own way, and if if she had was really hit hard and just didn't want to discuss it, that's that's her prerogative. I mean, and the fact that that people come out and make these these statements about what is. And what isn't disrespectful, I, I don't like the fact that everybody wants to talk for everybody else nowadays. And no one ever gives anybody the opportunity to come up with reasons or, or grieve in their own way or think about things. And I mean, it, it's still it's still an open. I mean, you don't know the relationship that they had. And and I think the idea of saying something is disrespectful. I mean, look, there's an there's an argument to be made that <clears throat> keeping the character going on after this tragedy is in fact respectful because you're keeping the legacy that he created through his indelible performance alive. And for another actor to step in to carry on and take that mantle up, you know, keeps that character and that the world of Wakanda alive for a generation that isn't even born yet, mm. you know? And, and there's going to be kids who were born today that would love to see a Black Panther movie in their future. And do you want to deprive people of that? I don't think so. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's 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 something that I'm sure we're going to be talking about a lot more uh, moving forward. All right, let's move on here. That was from uh, that was Peter. Let's now move on to another from Peter. Oh, part two from Peter. Uh, if he was alive, he would be T'Challa. But because he isn't, we need a T'Challa. Uh, we need a T'Challa. I That's wonder if Disney. That's a, that's a good way to put that. I wonder if Disney and Kevin Feige knew he had cancer because Ryan Coogler didn't. Feige might have already made a plan. No, again, I want to make this very – when you go and read – again, I would encourage people to go and read Ryan Coogler's statement. Ryan Coogler did not say he didn't know. Ryan Coogler said he wasn't privy to the details. Right. Um, he never suggested he didn't actually know he was sick. He didn't know he was sick the entire time he knew him. He said that directly. But I never got – upon my reading, I never got any impression uh, from Ryan Coogler that he didn't know anything about it, like at all. Plus, um, when you're – you know, when you're fighting cancer, John, my mom is a two-time cancer survivor. You're not thinking you're going to die. You know, you might – that might be in the back of your mind, but you're fighting. 
you know, he's a guy that got up every single day and did the work. You know, he was out there and he didn't want people to know because then it would have been the focus of, of his life. And he was fighting a battle where he needed to hang on to that hope. He needed to work. He needed to do the mm. best he could every single day to fight that battle. So this idea that, no, let me tell you, you know, I've got terminal cancer. That's not how people who are fighting cancer think. Yeah. And, you know, with regarding the part of your question, Peter, about whether or not uh, Feige knew, here, here's the thing. While it would have been perfectly acceptable for Chadwick Boseman, if he so chose, to keep his private health issues private, it would have been perfectly acceptable for him to do that. There would have been nothing wrong with that. Chadwick Boseman strikes me as the type of guy who had so much integrity, though, that I, I, th I just have to believe that him seeing not only Kevin Feige, but Kevin Feige and then armies of people working towards and making plans for future Black Panthers and blah, 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 blah. I, I just have to believe that even if it wasn't for insurance issues and even if it wasn't for physicals and even if it wasn't for all that stuff, which is just a part of the Hollywood business, I got to believe that while it would have been perfectly acceptable for him to still not tell Kevin, I just have a feeling Chadwick Boseman's integrity was so through the roof. I have a feeling he would have at least let him know a little. I think he would have let Rob, I think he would have let Feige and those who were working on Black Panther know at least as much as they needed to know. Um, again, I have nothing to back that up with. I, that's just me speculating uh, at this point. But, but Rob, at this point, you know, where... And it's all guessing and speculating, but but how much at this point do you think Feige knew? Do you, do you think Feige was probably caught by a, a surprise by this? Do you think he knew he was ill, but we didn't know what was going to happen? Like, where do you think Feige was on this? Well, look, I think that at first people probably he he didn't want people to know how sick he was, but I I wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me to know that within the last six months. He made a Chadwick Boseman made a call to Feige to explain what was going on because, as a professional and as somebody who has worked so hard, um, that maybe when he realized that things had taken a turn for the worse, and he he might I, I would imagine just because he had such integrity and the character meant so much to him that he would he would have wanted Kevin to know where things were at because. Black Panther 2 is in active development. It's in it's in it's in pre pre-production. And Kugler's writing, they're spending money on that movie. And I think somebody who's responsible, and I, I think Mr. Bozeman was incredibly responsible, would have said something. Right. Yeah. And and look, the reality is too, you know, we were talking about this yesterday, about how uh, when you looked at the pictures of the the five bloods stuff where Spike Lee was and where Chadwick Boseman was. I mean, anybody who I'm sure knew him probably could tell there was something wrong. Yeah. I mean, when you looked at those pictures, you could just kind of tell, even though idiots like me, when those f pictures first came out, insisted, oh, no, he's fine. He's just losing weight for uh, for a role. I mean, I, I, I mean, shows you what I know. I mean, I, I was dead wrong about that. And but. You know, uh, it, it is what it is. But these are going to be things they're going to deal with as they move forward. All right. T uh, the John Cabe Show is Life Rights.
Some films are so good you struggle to fathom anyone hating it. Likewise, some films are so bad you wonder who could like it. But Tenet feels like a film where even if you love it, you totally get why some hate it. And if you don't like it, you still get why some do. And I, I think that's probably the majority of movies. I think that's honestly, I think that's the vast, 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 vast majority of movies. Like the vast majority of movies that I really like, I could see why somebody wouldn't like it. And the vast majority of movies I dislike, I can see why somebody would like it. But there are those rare films that I look at and go, how does somebody not like this? I mean, I get it. It's still all subjective. but Or how does anybody appreciate this pile of slop? But it's all subjective. It is what it is. But I would say that the majority of movies are movies that eh, you could see why others would or would not like them. All right. Ashley M. writes, hey, John. It's heartwarming to see on social media celebrities that never even met or worked with Bozeman saying such kind words and how he will be missed. He truly touched everyone, not just Marvel fans. And I think it's important too to understand, Rob, that I think a lot of what we forget is that a lot of these actors and other celebrities, they're fans of movies too. Right. And so like you and me, even if somebody they don't know, they, they've sat back in a darkened room and turned on a Marvel film or turned on 42 or turned on Marshall or turned on get on up and watch this, the work of this artist and can really appreciate his art, his artistry. And I, I don't think that's surprising at all. And so, yeah, like last night, Anne was actually, we were laying in bed and Anne was showing me a bunch of like really nice stuff. I, I don't know if you saw the Michael B. Jordan uh, thing that Michael B. Jordan wrote, which was really nice. And it was really um, nice. And Winston Duke, um as well but then also celebrities who never knew him because like you and me they were fans of chadwick boseman and i think that's really yeah. powerful all right uh next up uh casey mcnatt writes i don't think you can replace chadwick boseman in that role it's going to be hard to find an actor that can be as great as he was i think the easier choice is to give the role to shuri well i mean i i disagree with you on two on two levels casey i disagree with you on two levels first of all I, it's not just semantics. If they decide to move forward with the T'Challa character, you're not replacing Chadwick Boseman. Let's just be clear about that. You know, they replaced Terrence Howard with Don Cheadle. They wouldn't be replacing Chadwick Boseman. What they would be doing is to go and find somebody to carry on for Chadwick Boseman, much like they did with Dumbledore in the Harry Potter movies after the tragic passing of Richard Harris. Right? They didn't find somebody to replace Richard Harris. They found somebody to pick up the mantle and carry on for him. Um, and there are other great actors out there. So I honestly think that would be fine if they chose to do that. Again, whichever way they go, I think they'll do it with great care and with great respect. Uh, either way. But let me raise this issue about Shuri, Rob. And I know you're going to disagree with me on this, I think. <laughs> I was reminded of... A video I did, because I'm seeing a bunch of people who think Shuri, Shuri should be the new monarch of Wakanda. Shuri should take up the mantle for her brother. You know, they should say T'Challa has passed on and Shuri should take up the mantle for her brother. And I don't think they'll go that way. But if they did, here's the thing. Shuri would neither become the Black Panther, nor would she become the monarch of Wakanda. It's just that simple. And here's why. Shuri was not groomed to lead. That that her her life was to become the smartest person in the MCU, the most intelligent person on the planet. 
and her life is the lab. That's where she wants to be. She wants to be in the lab creating technology and doing that's her that's her contributions to the world. Also, you can't forget this, Rob. As great as the fictional nation of Wakanda is, they have a couple of ass backward practices, such as the ruler of the country is determined by hand to hand to the death or submission combat. I would suggest there are two other Wakandans that would be a much, much better choice than Shuri if they wanted somebody to succeed the T'Challa character. One is Nakia. She, first of all, she was basically the consort of the king. She was going to become queen at some point. But more importantly, she's one of the leaders of the river tribe, which... If it comes down to it, she can challenge for the throne at the coronation ceremony. She's also the nation's top war dog. She is a brutal hand-to-hand combat artist. She is a leader of people. She has been out in the field. She's great at combat. If she chose to challenge, she could challenge. And she would very easily defeat Shuri. Not to mention she would just be a better leader because that's what she has done. And if not Nakia, then I know I sound like a broken record, but it's the mighty Umbaku. Umbaku, who, by the way, has forever, is it the Jambari tribe? That's, I, I hope I'm pronouncing Jambari. It's the, he, he has been the leader of the most secluded tribe. He has, he has been the king, basically, of the Jambari tribe. He, he staked his rightful claim to the throne and challenged T'Challa to hand-to-hand combat. And in a fair fight, he came this close, this close to beating T'Challa, to becoming king anyway. So in terms of who would be the better Black Panther, Nakia and Mbaku would both make better Black Panthers than Shuri would. Who would make the better Monarch? Nakia and Umbaku both have the experience and leadership of being the leader. And when it comes down to it, even if Shuri wanted to be Monarch, which I don't think she would want to be. Now you can say, but John, uh, in the comic books, we're not talking about the comic books. We're talking about the MCU. And in this MCU, there was no indication that Shuri had any interest in that. But even if she did, she would have to go to that coronation thing. And you think Umbaku thinks she should be the Monarch of Wakanda? No, he's like, no, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be Monarch or Wakanda. Or if Nakia felt, listen, I just best for our country, because Nakia always does what she thinks is best for the country. If she decided, no, I, I think, Shuri, I, I think you are best suited for our world creating and being the head of all of our technology. I'm a better suited leader. And in hand-to-hand combat, Shuri couldn't beat either of them. And since that's the way they elect their leaders in Wakanda, so I, I don't think it would make any sense for Shuri. Uh, to be that, even though she's probably like in my top three favorite MCU characters. But Rob, you've heard me rant about it. Tell me why I'm wrong. Well, I don't necessarily think you're wrong, but what about Okoye? What about the leader of the Dormelage? I mean, she's I been don't think, and- But I don't think she has a right to the... Th- uh, uh, I don't think she has a claim to it because she's not one of the leaders of one of the tribes. The Dormelage is considered one of the tribes. <clears throat> unless so she, unless she, she was can. named... Unless she was named by T'Challa and they come up with some... 
I mean, what's really interesting is that Wakanda, the way it's been left is that Wakanda has made itself known to the world. So Wakanda is moving into a very interesting position in terms of the geopolitical situation of the MCU. I mean, the in-universe geopolitical situation. So if they decide to say T'Challa has, has passed in the, in the MCU, you need somebody that has been into the outside world that understands and obviously Okoye has been somebody who has been moving around and it's going to be vital that you have somebody that understands politics, that knows the geopolitical situation outside of Wakanda. That isn't, I mean, while Wakanda's great, if you've only been dealing with the tribes of Wakanda, how are you going to then go to the UN and, and address the League of Nations or whatever is it is you're Is there anything gonna... about Okoye that suggests to you she has diplomacy skills? Well, I mean, but I mean, I, I mean, we just haven't seen that. But but that would be part of the story is that a warrior true. needs to step up and learn. But she has been out there, you know, and 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 I think that obviously she knows what's up and and she has a perspective nobody else in Wakanda has. And you're going to need that. Or maybe maybe because this is an interesting, uh, interesting situation, maybe instead of having a monarch they have some other kind of power structure and all of these characters have to band together to do something. I mean, it, it, like all, all three of them or something or four of them have to come together in some kind of a, I don't know, but, but I think the story possibilities could be really interesting, whatever they're going to do. And but I, I would, I would say though, remember for as far as uh, Nokia has spent years out in the world because remember the right. part of her story was that there's just too much going on out there that's not right and i need to be out there helping people so that's she's true. actually been outside um even a lot more but i, I, I there are a lot of pos as you say rob there's a lot of possibilities there's a lot of possibilities again i, I mean personally i think what they will do is you know uh, is they'll have somebody like uh take carry on for the T'Challa character, and yeah. so that answers all that. But, I mean, it does raise some possibilities if they go the other way. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, C. Stacks writes, Hey, John, big fan since AMC. Thank you, C. Stacks. Appreciate that. Sorry if you've talked about this already, but when you saw New Mutants, uh, my... Oh, did you get concessions? Wife and I were seeing Tenet this week, first time back at the theater, and, my, and I'm nervous about eating in the theater. May just leave it out. I did get concessions. Um... But they did something that was really, really interesting. Now, first of all, they're the concession people. They're all wearing gloves. They're all wearing the, the 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 shields and all that kind of stuff, whatever. But what I thought was really interesting, and Rob, I told you about this, was I didn't expect this. But you know how in most theaters now, when you order a drink, they give you a cup. And then you go to the soda machine and you whatever. I didn't even think about this. There are 40 or 50 other people that have been touching that soda machine. Yeah. And so what they did was instead of giving you a cup, if you ordered a drink, they gave you this receipt and then you went to this drink station where you would hand the receipt to an AMC team member and they would get your drink for you. So you didn't have to go and touch the machines that 50 and 60 and 70 other people have been touching. Um, so. And then I just had some uh, some Reese's Pieces, which were sealed in a bag. So, I mean, there's that. So, um, yeah, I, I felt – now, you also have to understand, the theater I was in, they they really minimized how many people were in there. Like, we had nobody around us. They, I think they only sold, like, 30 seats 
I think they only made like 30 seats available in this 200 seat auditorium or something like that. Um, so it was a pretty good experience for me. I know, Rob, you haven't had the experience yet, but let me ask you, Rob, when you do go back to the theater, what are some of the things you're going to be looking for uh, when you get there? Because I know when I was pulling into Vegas, I, I had said on the show the day before, people asked me, will you go and do it again for Tenant? I said, well, it depends. If I get to this theater and I don't see really strict rules and I don't see people following the rules, I'm number one, I'm not even going to go in and watch the movie. Number two, I'm definitely not going back. But when you do venture back to movie theater, Rob, what are going to be the important things that you're going to be looking forward to or you're going to be looking for that makes you feel more secure like what are you going to be looking for well you know i think the overall details of everything you know when i've gone to our local grocery store which took from the very beginning they've had somebody outside disinfecting the carts you get sprayed with hand sanitizer when you walk in they did things like make the aisles in the grocery store one-way aisles they put things on the floor so even when you're waiting to check out you are socially distanced they really thought it thought it through and I kind of feel the same way about going back to movie theaters. I want to know that they're disinfecting the refreshment counters, that there's something if you're if you're paying your credit card or something, if they've been mindful of that. The bathrooms are clean. I mean, basically, that stuff is 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 constantly happening. And, you know, we know we're seeing as colleges reopen and they find out they have twelve hundred students coming down with covid, you know, when they're there. This this is a. It's a pernicious disease and it's it's everywhere. And you just I just want to make sure that people are mindful of that and that they can't be slacking off. And that's that's what I want to see. I mean, even if it's just for I just want to feel safe because I can see that they've thought about it. And it seems to me like your experience at AMC was was a good one and i have to tell you going to the drive-in the pop-up drive-in for new mutants if you wanted refreshments you had to uh call your order in via your phone and then you uh, we didn't do it but you it seemed like they had it really really well that they'd really thought it through and it was handled we just brought refreshments with us because we were in the car obviously but still they had thought about these things and it's nice to know that, I mean, that's what people are going to have to do. That's going to be the new normal, at least for a while. So that's what I want to see. Attention to detail, John. Attention to detail. I like that. All right. Uh, let's see here. Scott Brown writes, 2020 has been awful from the passing of my dad. So sorry to hear that, Scott, to the world losing so many amazing people, uh, to going through a pandemic and an economic crash, to the streets literally being on fire. Your show is important in helping us get through the mess. So thank you, John. Oh, I appreciate that, Scott. And, you know, we, we, we've talked over the past couple of months about um, – yeah, even for us doing the show, like Rob, I know you and I have discussed just the fact that the, for just for you and me doing the show helps us stay sane. Yeah, I mean, it, it is that one sense of normalcy that we're able to hold on to in the midst of a crazy, let's face it, last couple of years and the last crazy last couple of years, but particularly during the pandemic. And um, it's it's been really great hearing from everybody who has written in that says, you know, this show has been there for them as as they kind of navigate the pandemic as well. And and that's a testimony as well to the to the community who is here as well, because a lot of people come in here so they can jump in the live chat and talk with each other. And and I think mm -hmm. it's a it's a great community effort. So thank you so much for the kind words, Scott. I appreciate that. All right. Next up, Suthius writes, hey, gents, I'll be honest. 
I'm tired of hearing and seeing people say that Shuri should be the next Black Panther just because it happens in the comics. I suggested that M'Baku could be Black Panther in the MCU, but got told by people that I didn't know what I was talking about. Uh, that I apparently never read a damn comic a day in my life and that I should research before posting. Oive, uh, keep Shuri as is because she's amazing and the character as the character she is, tenacious, a little feisty, and the most intelligent person in the MCU. Here's Here's the problem, Rob. There are too many people in the fandom who do not understand and grasp that the comics are not the movies and that the movies are not the comics. You know, when you when you look at Civil War, the uh, the movie version, MCU, Captain America Civil War, if you thought, well, I know what happens in the comics, if you thought that meant you knew what was going to happen in the movie, you were sorely disappointed. It's like, I know exactly what happens in X-Men Days of Future Past because I read it. Well, guess what? You didn't know shit because they're different things. Just because they have Squirrel Girl in the comics does not mean Squirrel Girl is going to pop up in the next big comic book blockbuster superhero team-up film. Although, what? you never know. You never know. Um yeah, so I, I what what I basically say when I get into this discussion about what might happen in a movie and somebody brings up, well, you know, in the comics they did this. Now, if they bring that up as a possibility, it's like, hey, it could go that way because there is precedent they did in the comics. That's cool. But when I, but I often get people say to me, much like to you, Susie, who go, well, no, John, what they're going to do is they're going to do this because that's what happened in the comics. Didn't you know that's what happened in the comics? So that's what they're going to do in the movie. It's like. You, you, you got to understand the movies and the comics are two different things. I know. Well, how do you address that question and say, well, no, this is what's going to happen because that's what happened in the comic. Like, how do you talk to somebody when they address well, that? Like I, that? I, I always have to go back to my favorite word, which is verisimilitude. And it's it's one thing to have a story that you're telling in comics, because there's a lot of things in comic books that you just take for granted. But if you translate them into the real world, like Wolverine is actually five feet tall. And when Colossus does the fastball special, Colossus picks Wolverine up and throws him. Now we saw a little fastball special in, in X-Men The Last Stand, but it just, things like that don't translate well to live action. They'll look goofy. And one of the things the MCU I think has done really, really well is make you believe. Like I always thought, John, how are they gonna put Thor Iron Man and Captain America into the same live action universe. How do you reconcile those things? How do you make people believe in Asgard and at the same time believe in Iron Man and then World War II Captain America? And they did. But that tightrope, creating that belief is really hard because if Thor looked goofy, I mean, if you go back and you made Thor look like he looked in the old The Hulk TV specials, People would be like, ah, that doesn't work. I mean, ask yourself about even costumes. If they don't design the right kind of costumes in the MCU, you wouldn't believe in those characters. And every little thing that they do on screen makes you believe. And Squirrel Girl, well, that's a tough one, unless James Gunn <laughs> figures out a way to work her in. Hey, but, he's doing you know, Polka Dot it, Man. <laughs> I mean, Polka Dot Man and King Shark in the same movie, I would say, come on. But if James Gunn's doing it, well, yep, I'll believe that. And I think it's just a really hard thing to do. And, and many things in comics just 
wouldn't translate into the real world, beginning with spandex costumes. You know, how do you make people believe it's hard? And they've done a great, great job in the MCU making you believe. Yes, they have. All right, let's uh, move on here. R. Lee writes, Sorry if you and Robert already discussed this, but what do you think of Shuri? Here we go. Uh, Shuri becoming the next Black Panther. It works because Black Panther is a mantle that's passed down, not a specific individual. And she was Black Panther in the comics as well, uh, re received in the movie Thoughts. Well, I mean, I already kind of gave my thoughts. It makes no sense because she she has, she is not an adept hand-to-hand -hand combat artist. That's not where her training has been. She has been trained in the lab. Like she is her, or she's got the brains in the family, you know? That's, that's her role. She would have to challenge for that role. And then the king would have to appoint or the queen would have to appoint. And that's that role is given by hand-to-hand -hand combat. And so, uh, no, I don't think... Now, look, I'm not saying, Rob, I am certainly not saying that it ain't possible that Marvel does that. I'm not saying it's not possible that they do, but it would be the wrong thing to do because it makes... Just by the rules of Wakanda that they have established in the movies... It makes no logical sense that Shuri would either become Monarch or become Black Panther. It just makes no sense to me because that's just not what she is. I I, I don't know. If you had to make the argument, though, let, let me put you in this position, Rob. If you had to make the argument for why Shuri, let's, let's, let's rewind. Let's forget about our current circumstances today. Let's rewind to in between Infinity War and Endgame when people didn't know that Shuri had also dusted, right? And there was, remember, there was a debate going on that since T'Challa dusted, who, when we get into Endgame, remember all these discussions? Who, when we get into Endgame, is <laughs> going to be ruling Wakanda? Turns out they never even addressed that. They never let us know who was ruling Wakanda. But, you know, if you had to make the argument why, if Shuri had not been dusted, why she would have been the new Black Panther in Wakanda as opposed to, uh, a Nakia or a, a, a Koye or an Umbaku. What would be your argument for that, Rob? Well, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, the thing is, because they've defined how the power structure of Wakanda works, like, first of all, Shuri, she's tiny. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you're going to be a king, and this is not putting her down, but even the actress that plays her is small in stature. And and I think that I I mean I I just don't see her the way that she's been defined in the MCU. I don't see her character stepping up to become queen or uh, the leader because one they've established her as uh, they need her in the role that she's in. She's their chief technologist in terms of again working with the rest of the world she's going to be crucial in her position she's going to be one of the linchpins of helping wakanda deal with the rest of the world and i, I just think i you know i i i don't i guess i don't know enough about wakandan i mean i i think they're going to make up somebody new to be honest mm. they're going to come up with a new character and i think that's what that's what i said you know, I've always believed that they – I think – I said this yesterday on the show. To, they should say T'Challa passed away. Play it for real. And, and they have a new character that we don't know about. Maybe somebody from Black Panther comic history that they can bring in. And the very idea of taking the reins of power are part of that story. 
you know, how does somebody do that? And what are the problems involved? And who are that person's allies? And who are their enemies? And, you know, at the same time, if you bring in a submariner, another king who goes to war with Wakanda, because we've seen that. I mean, he Submariner flooded Wakanda once in the comics. You could have a really interesting dichotomy of what does it mean to step up and lead? And what are that to me is a great story. You know, it literally is the hero's journey. And I, I, I just think that they should get somebody new. And I think they should deal with, with loss. And they deal with what the world is feeling with the actual loss of Chad Bozeman. I mean, that's what I would do. All right, next up, we've got Sam Fisher writes, uh, five names I heard to recast uh, Black Panther. Okay, well, I'll just let you know right now, um, I'm, I'm, I don't, while I am cool, and I, I get you're asking out of respect, but while I think it's fine for us to ask the question, I think it's important to ask the question, how does Marvel and Disney steward this legacy moving forward that the Black Panther T'Challa character and Chadwick Boseman have established, I think it's an important question to ask. And I think it's a it's an understandable and reasonable question to ask even now. How does Disney steward this legacy, this character that has become a source of inspiration to hundreds of millions of people around the world? How do you move forward with that? And I think that's fine. Where I don't feel inclined to discuss is that if they chose to go in the direction of selecting somebody to carry on for Chadwick Boseman in the role of T'Challa, who should that be? Like, I, I, I'm just, and by the way, under normal circumstances, I'm not inclined to have those conversations. Like, I, I, you know me, I don't care. X actor and X role things, I don't care. As long as you select a talented performer, um, then I'll get on board and trust the casting directors and the directors and the producers because they know the characters best and I'll trust their judgment. As long as you pick somebody who is a talented, talented, talented performer. And so while I personally feel comfortable right now discussing how does Disney steward this legacy, I'm not comfortable with getting into specifics of well, then who do they pick specifically? I, I, I'm I, just personally, and I'm not against anybody else having that conversation, by the way. If anybody else wants to have that conversation, have that conversation, I have no problem with that. Um, just I myself personally am not at the place that I'm comfortable having that specific conversation. But if others do, totally cool. It's just that I'm not. And again, in the normal circumstances, I don't really care about talking X actor and X role thing. So uh, that's where I'm at on that, my friend. That's right. So I no shade on you for asking the question. I just hope you understand that, you know, I'm not really in a place that I, I want to address those types of specifics. That's just me. All right. Anyway, thank you for that, Sam. Uh, next up, uh, Big Dave. Um, Big Dave writes, uh, who tipped in $30. Thank you, Big Dave, for supporting the channel on that level, man. Uh, hi, John. Have you ever watched Chadwick Boseman's uh, commencement speech that he gave at Howard? I did. I saw that. Actually, I just saw it the other day because it popped up on my YouTube feed. Uh, it's a stirring and powerful address. It speaks to his pride, his strength of character, and his desire to encourage the next generation. And Rob, I would say that that's something that kind of exuded everything he did. In his career, you know, we, we've seen we've seen his interview about what he wanted his career to mean, what he wanted to be, and how he wanted to inspire people. And uh, it's it's not surprising that that you hear those sorts of things because it just really was who he was, wasn't it? Right. 
How would you uh, have? Did you have a chance to hear that address speech that he gave? I did. You know, and it was very, it was very moving, and the way he delivered it as well. And and he used a quote that was, I don't know who the quote was from, but it was the way he was saying it, it was, it was incredibly moving. And you know, I, I mean, I like it. He was a guy. He was a very highly educated man. He obviously he he was studying directing when he was in school. His acting career didn't just explode overnight. He was almost into his second decade of acting. I mean, if, midway through his second decade of acting, and I mean, he was he was a genuine article. I mean, he t- was truly an artist, and and I think you know he had a lot to say both personally and professionally. And I think, look, no one can say he rested on his laurels, man. Uh, even if yeah. the three characters, whether it was 42, whether it was in Thurg or Marshall and, and whether it was in get on up, I mean, he was playing black icons that changed America, literally changed the world. It wasn't, I mean, he, three of them, you'd be lucky to have one kind of a role like that in your life, but he had already played three of those characters. And then arguably one of the most famous black comic book characters not only real people but the fame he was playing famous a famous black fictional pop culture character and i mean what he wanted to do in life he he succeeded it's not like we're thinking well there was so much potential that was cut short i mean he he was living up to his potential he was living a life that wow i mean how many people can even begin to hope to do what he did in their entire lives so yeah. while I, I mourn that he's gone, I, I look at him as an example of a life well-lived. He's an example of, I think, all human beings can look at and go, there's somebody who did not squander their time on this planet. And, and that's really – that's inspiring to me. He would have made – you, you, you alluded to the fact that he was studying directing. Uh, that's what he was in school for. And look at the directors he was working with. Yeah, he was man. working with Tate Taylor. He was working with Ryan Coogler. He was working with Spike Lee. I mean, so he would have been, I think when you look at the intelligence of the man, his training, his, his, I, I think he would have if someday become a great director, but uh, just yet another thing that we count that uh, we lost. And you know, you know, what's really interesting, like in civil war, the Russo brothers were, they were, they had done winter soldier, but they were new too. like, and they stepped up. And I'm sure they had a hand in, in, in casting him. So the Russos were learning their craft along with Chad Bozeman on these gigantic epics, you know, and, and the Russo brothers got to work with him on Civil War, on Infinity War and Endgame. And, you know, I would love to have seen if they had future collaborations where they would have taken those collaborations together. I mean, it would have been I was expecting T'Challa would have led the avengers at one point i, really I, I don't that, think that's crazy i don't think that's crazy i think he would have you know in the wake of tony stark's death t'challa I, I, it would have been so cool to see an avengers movie with him leading them leading the team well more importantly the 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 departure of captain america no no longer being there so you had you had that there where both of those figures were gone and he probably was kind of the next logical choice. But anyway, uh, let's move on here. Still a lot to get to here, guys. Lowell writes, one of two. Chadwick Boseman, uh, say you're here and you get word that your mother died. You know, like hit by a bus. Oh, this is a movie quote. 
I know this movie quote because I love this movie. Your mother, uh, your mother died, you know, like hit by a bus or something. You go downstairs, you shed a tear, and you say, it's a shame. She would have loved this movie. Lee Phillips, American Sweetheart. That was Billy Crystal. Uh, anyway, let me keep reading her. When I say that I'm not being... Uh, when I say that, I'm not being ignorant and sensitive to the fact that we lost a legend in many eyes. I'm simply saying that the show must go on. I feel like many of you uh, and ask the same questions. I feel that Feige already has elements in place. First of all, let me just touch on that thing. If you guys, Rob, have you ever watched America's Sweethearts with John Cusack? No. Oh my God, with I've John Cusack, Billy Crystal, Julia Roberts, um, 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 uh, uh, married to Michael Douglas, uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones, um, uh, Henry uh, or Harry, uh, uh, the guy who does the voice of um, Mr. Burns. Um, um, uh, Harry Shearer. Uh, no, sorry, it's not him. It's um, why am I forgetting the name? He was also he played the Blue Raja in Mystery Men. Uh, why am I forgetting the actor's name? Hank Azaria. Hank Azaria. Thank you. Hank Azaria is in there. Uh, Christopher Walken is in it. Um, it is I'll a stellar, that. stellar, stellar cast. So basically, if you've not seen America's Sweethearts, you totally got to watch America's Sweethearts because here's the basic premise is this. A, mo a studio is making a movie, but and it's almost time to release it. But the filmmaker being played by Christopher Walken is this eccentric, like weird kind of director who won't let the studio see the film. And meanwhile, the studio is trying to put on a press junket for it. And they're like, how do we put on this press junket when we haven't even seen the film yet? We need the best publicist we've ever had. So they go out and get back Billy Crystal, who used to be their publicist. And he said, and they're he, and Billy Crystal is talking about how you market a movie. He says, yeah, my mother died, whatever. I'd go downstairs, shed a tear and say, it's a shame. She would have loved this movie. Like, it's just, it is a great line. It is a great moment. And anyway, Lowell, back to, to what you were saying there about uh about the show must go on i mean yeah yeah i i agree i mean that's that is a, a saying in show business i think for a reason uh, but uh, you know on top of that life goes on you know the show goes on and you know when you look at this is something that i was thinking about the other night rob when you look at say captain steve rogers captain america they had a lot of stories they needed to tell i mean and we've had this steve rogers captain america for a good decade yeah, for basically a decade. And we got to see him sta star in three of his own standalone films, in four Avengers films. We got to see all of that. With T'Challa, we got to see him in one Black Panther movie. Then we got to see him play a relatively small role in Infinity War. And then an extremely small role. Like, it's just a very brief part very, I, 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 I think if it's probably under two minutes if you count up the amount of screen time he had in Endgame, and and then of course a, a substantial role in Civil War. But there's so many more stories for them to tell with the character of T'Challa. With with Tony Stark, you had him for ten years. You had him in three Iron Man movies, four Avengers films, uh, Civil War. Um, they, they got to tell all these stories with T'Challa. I feel like they were just starting with T'Challa, and. But then again, he's already made such an impact that maybe he's already in the position that you could tell a good passing of the torch story for another character other than the T'Challa character now being that. So, so maybe it goes both ways. 
Um, but it's uh, but I, I totally see what you're saying, Lowell. I, I I'm with you on that. I personally am. But uh, but yeah. But I love good full marks to you, sir, for the America sweethearts America sweethearts reference. All right, <laughs> Frankie G writes. One of our Patreon supporters, thank you for being a Patreon supporter, Frankie. Reminder, Black Panther is a title. However, though he is a older, but if I was Marvel, although he is uh, older, but if I was Marvel, I would be sending a dump truck of money to entice Chiwetel Ejiofor, who's a friend of Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, yeah, look, Chiwetel Ejiofor is the same age, actually, as Chadwick Boseman, uh, one of the great actors. But again, I don't care. I mean, Chiwetel Ejiofor is one of my favorite actors in the world. I love Chiwetel Ejiofor. Ever since I saw him play the operative in Serenity, um, I, I love that guy. But, I mean, all I care about is do you get a good actor to fill the role? There are many good actors out there that they could choose from uh, if they decide to do that. But the specifics of which are just not the conversations I'm, I'm comfortable having right now. But Chiwetel yeah. Ejiofor is a great name. He's absolutely a great name. He's, um, I mean, dude, he was even in love, actually. He can do no wrong as oh, far as I I'm concerned. I forgot about that. Yes, um, he was. But no, you're right. He marries like, Kira Knightley. Whether you're talking about 12 Years a Slave, where, hey, if it hadn't been, if it we hadn't been living in the McConaissance, we, we, Chiwetel Ejiofor would have an Academy Award on his mantle right now. Um, and again, if you've never seen him play the operative, that was the movie is in Serenity playing the villain, the operative. That was the movie to me that I went, who is that guy? Who is this guy? Because he's awesome. And I've been a big fan of, uh, he was also just recently in, um, in, uh, the, the Netflix movie, old guard. He was just recently in old, old guard as well. I didn't like his care, his character in old guard, but that is what it is. Um, all right, let's see here. Alex, uh, Ray, Alex writes, I see comic fans being upset more about uh, killing off T'Challa and vice versa with movie only fans being upset over T'Challa being recasted. Uh, MCU fans have become very emotionally attached to the actors. Sadly, actors can't play roles forever. Yeah, but I mean, there's there's something understandable about that, right? Like, Rob, like you and I have talked about that. Listen, I, I, while on one hand, it does seem absurd that we would cry over the death of Carrie Fisher when we didn't know Carrie Fisher or that we would feel emotionally attached to somebody. But when you understand the dynamics of it, that, you know, our subconscious doesn't make a distinction from somebody standing in front of our face to somebody we spend time with, even if they're on a screen. And when that character, even if it's on a screen, evokes emotion in us, makes us excited or makes us laugh or makes us think or makes us feel or makes us cry or inspires us by exhibiting courage or bravery or integrity or whatever. I mean, we develop on a level of connection to that. And I think that's totally understandable that we as fans do that. And, and Rob, when we feel an emotional connection to somebody or something, we rightly or wrongly kind of feel a little bit of a ownership over it a bit. Like we, we don't, we, we, we have a say in this, you know, I think that's kind of understandable. How do you see that? Well, I look, I, I mean, you know, we've been seeing these pictures of kids staging, uh, funerals for black Panther using their Marvel action figures. And as a kid, you know, even when I was young, I was in terms of Carrie Fisher playing with a princess Leia action figure. I mean, she, she lived in my brain and in my heart for decades and the same was true of like when leonard nimoy passed away i'd met leonard nimoy i'd been to his house you know and while i didn't like party with him you know i wouldn't say that but 
you know, to know that they're no longer there, that they've left the world, you still uh, you can have a personal connection to somebody because their work lives inside you. You know, watching Star Wars and Star Trek and now the MCU. Uh, I, I mean, from the first time Chad Bozeman appeared on screen as Black Panther, like I loved him as James Brown. But you, you first meet him with his father, you know, he loses his father and. And you just like that character and you, 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 you subconsciously, you know, that, that, that actor is still in the world and can still make more work that you can see. And if, if, if you have some kind of personal connection to that character or the work that a person has done and then they're gone and you realize you're never going to have that, their new work from them, I think it is, can be very personal. And I think it isn't just like some distant celebrity passed away i mean if they're if they're creating work that you're connected to and it speaks to you and you see it over and over again then there is real loss there you know there really is you do feel it personally um you know it's like when we watch movies over and over again the characters in those movies and by by extension the actors they kind of become your friends like when i say watch goodfellas again i'm like i'm gonna go hang out with the goodfellas because i know them even though I've seen them a million times, I know the inflections of their voices. I know how they're going to react. And that's why we watch movies over and over again. It's because we feel a connection to the characters in the story. And to know that the actors that brought those characters to life are no longer with us, you lose something. And it's real. And it matters. Yeah. Yeah, really. And then, and therefore, we have we have reactions to it. And uh and uh, it, it is that's why we feel it. and I get I agree on the surface it looks absurd, but but you got to look beyond that and understand the connection that we have with these things. I thought you put that really well, uh, Robert. All right, Tony Rodriguez writes going by the ABC special from Sunday night, Chadwick Boseman, a tribute to a king that aired after Black Panther from their mouths and video. Neither Feige, Michael Eisner, Alan Horn knew he was sick. Only his family knew. Again, I I don't. I, I there's just no world. It just is almost impractical that that could even be true now i respect whatever they may want to say publicly and all that kind of stuff but there were people there were people robin and you we saw these people there were people online and people around the world who even though i was saying oh no he's just losing weight for a role i was obviously wrong but there were people around the world who knew just from seeing a picture or two of of Chadwick Boseman saying this this dude there's there's something wrong there's something wrong here there were a lot of people who who figured that out from people who only saw a picture or two i just can't believe that anybody who knew him who was having any sort of interaction with him over the past year and a half two years um, even by accident wouldn't have to some degree have an idea not to mention again talking about insurance issues and liabilities and, and physicals and all these kinds of things that are necessary for hundred million dollar projects so while I respect whatever it is they want to say I I don't I, I just don't believe it's reasonable to believe that 
Um, but that's I, I don't know, Rob. Maybe I'm maybe I'm being too absolute in how I'm seeing this. Like, what? How would you respond to that? What do you think? I mean, how do you want me to put this? I mean, I, gosh, I don't, I don't. I mean, we've talked. I don't know. I don't know what more to say. You know. Um, I don't know, John. I mean, we've yeah. I, 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 you know, there's no right answer. I mean, there's no right way. There's no right answer to that. No, there, there really isn't. And I, 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 yeah, I just don't know. I mean, we've, I, what more is there? What more can I say? Yeah. All right. Let's move on here. Uh, Next up. uh, Tony Rodriguez also writes, I know you said, oh, as in Christian Bale. Okay. Uh, uh, I, I know you said Bale would be cheesy putting him in a Flash movie, but how about seeing two or three second clips of other universes' heroes, slash Bale, Adam West, Ralph Carter, uh, uh, Grant Gustin, 80s TV Flash, etc., as a Flash goes through Speed Force, over 30% here. I'll go under 30% on that, but listen, there's a difference between, and Rob, you and I know this, there's yeah. a difference between what I think is absolutely idiotic to do versus what I think the studio will do. Right. I, so I think that would be an absolutely idiotic, stupid gimmicky shtick filled turning this, what is supposed to be more of a, a dramatic feeling, uh, DC, you know, movies and stories on screen. It's going to make it feel like a cheap, stupid little Saturday morning cartoon, just because I think it would be idiotic to do. Doesn't mean I think it's impossible that the studio would actually do it. (laughs) I still think under 30%. But if you were to give me a 10% line, if you were to say the line is 10% over or under, that the studio would actually do it, I'd go over 10%. Maybe not 30, but I would go over 10%. 0% that it should be done. But I think there is a a feasible possibility I, I so much so that i would say over 10 percent that actually happens rob setting let's set the line at 30 percent over under 30 percent that we see in this flash movie um you know barry uh, seeing tons of visions of different realities of the christian bale batman and the 80s flash and some movie star somewhere choking out a woman in front of a bar what are the chances that we see Flashing that, like seeing all, like seeing the, the the Linda Carter Wonder Woman, seeing all these things in this in this tunnel that he's going through, over or under thirty percent. You know what? I'm going to go over, and I'll wow. tell you how. I'll tell you how they're going to do it. They're going to use footage that exists already. You know, they'll get previously existing footage, and it'll be in some kind of a like the, you'll be in the Speed Force, but you'll see images that are obscured. I mean. It's not like they're going to show you're going to cut to Linda Carter's Wonder Woman with the light blast and her costume coming on. No, it's going to be it's going to be it's it's going to be very, very impressionistic and it's going to be very. But I think they're going to do something along those lines, but it's going to be very like you'd have to know it's not going to be front and center. It's going to be done in a very clever way where they're showing you because it's not just it's the speed force and it's the multiverse they want to tell you that it's the multiverse and 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 why not if you're if you're if you're doing it if you're pulling this if you're pulling this multiverse idea out they're gonna they're gonna pull it out i think they're gonna go for it and they're gonna show you whatever the flashpoint paradox 
whatever that looks like in the movie, I think they are going to show you this stuff. Now, I don't know if they're going to show you, you know, uh, uh, the, the flash from the nineties TV show and wonder woman and Christian Bale, but they're going to show some stuff because they have to, because they have to establish Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck in the same movie. And I think that idea, look, if they do it quickly and it's done tastefully and it's cool, I think that could be neat. I think they're going to do it. Something. All right. What. Okay, uh, let's move on here. Over uh, 30. Next, over 30, John. <laughs> over 30 you're going to take. Aviator986 writes, uh, Suri is a popular opinion, which would make sense. However, there's his son, Azari. Uh, doesn't necessarily have to be Storm's son, but it could work. Also, what if we got Killmonger back somehow uh, using the Infinity Stones? Would uh, he even want the mantle? Okay, number one, again, this isn't the comics. This is the movies. He has no son. I mean, in the MCU, they've never said he has a son. So let's just put that. Rob, here's the other thing. I've been seeing some people saying, oh, it should be Michael B. Jordan. It should be Killmonger. They would never allow Killmonger to never. He tried. He tried to take Wakanda into war. He's responsible for the deaths of a lot of Wakandans. He's an evil son of a bitch. He's who a gave murderer. This, he's who gave a big speech about I'm going to kill those people and I'm going to kill their children and I'm going to. I mean, he they. It's like Ryan Coogler went out of his way to specify that while he was a hurt character who had some good reason maybe to feel the way he felt, Ryan Coogler made sure to put in lines and and the other writer Joe. Um, Joe Robert Cole put in lines in that movie to make there no mistake. Yes, he got a he got dealt a bad hand. Yes, he felt a lot of tragedy. Yes, that he's got some of his motivations are in the right place, but make no mistake, this is an evil son of a bitch. This is an evil dude. And so they made sure they wrote lines, wrote lines for the audience to hear. It's talking about how he's going to kill children and all this kind of stuff and how he murdered. Forrest Whitaker and he's like threatening to kill all these women and he's he's a straight up murderer and he tried to usurp Wakanda he betrayed the rules of successorship when it came out that hey like he knew he was still alive it doesn't matter I'm your king go do this and we want like instead of challenging and just fighting him hand-to-hand comics try to get his armies to go kill them there is no way narratively like I get it we all loved Michael Jordan's performance in that I get that because I did too. I, I would. I made an argument that maybe there should have been a Best Supporting Actor nomination in there for him. But in terms of the movie itself, he's now a Wakandan criminal. He's a criminal now. And and no. So even if you overcame the he's dead issue, which is never really an issue in comic book movies, Rob, as we all know. But even if you did overcome the he's dead issue. He's an outcast. He's a criminal. Yeah. He's uh, he's a he's he committed treason against he committed treat he committed treason in the highest order against Wakanda, and he's just evil. So no, I I don't think that's an opportunity or something we should be entertaining. I don't know, Rob. What I mean again, maybe I'm just looking at that too absolutist. What do you think about the idea of of uh, Killmonger? Well, look. I love me some Michael B. Jordan, and I love – I got my Hot Toys Killmonger right over there. But he's a straight-up murderer. 
you know, he's not somebody he's uh, to me, he's an irredeemable bad guy. And, and I just don't think that, that what message does that say? You know, the whole point is that he tried to, he, he, he tried to, he tried to kill he thought he did kill him, uh, uh, T'Challa. And it's uh, why would you? He's not uh, as much as I, I I love me some Michael B. Jordan, but there's no way they can have him take over the throne of Wakanda. They can't bring him back, even though he's dead. So they can't bring him back. But even if they bring him back, clone him or whatever, there's no way, dude. He's not fit. He's not fit to be a king. All right, uh, we move on here. Um... N. Hund writes, hey, John and Robert, first tip here. Oh, thanks so much, N. Hund. Appreciate that. Love the channel. I'm curious what your all-time favorite fight scene in a movie is. Mine is the staircase fight in 2006 Casino Royale, which is my all-time favorite, by the way. Uh, also, hashtag Bozeman Forever. All-time favorite fights. You know, I, we, we've talked, Rob, on the show about... I think my all-time favorite action scene in a comic book movie uh, to this day remains uh, the airport scene in Civil War. I, I think to me that's still – there's so much drama and narrative being played out in that yeah. action sequence that it, it remains to this day my all-time favorite. All-time fights favorite fight scene. I mean, there's a few I'd pick from. Rowdy Rowdy Piper in They Live, in that right. back alley fight. That's one of my favorite fights. Best choreographed fight of all time? No, not necessarily, but <laughs> it's awesome. Um, I go back to a lot of a lot of my favorite fight scenes are from the old Shokasagi ninja movies. Uh, I just thought there was something about the way Shokasagi did on-screen action that I always just loved. Um, so I love that a lot. But those are a couple that come to mind. What about you? Do you have an all-time favorite fight scene off the top of your head? I've got to go to my beloved The Rad, or as we know it, The Raid. The Raid. <laughs> uh, the Raid and The Raid 2 Barrendahl. I mean, unbelievable fight choreography with lot, not a lot of cutting. You know, it, it's, it's amazing. By the way, I just saw a trailer for a Japanese samurai movie that's got its one 77-minute long unbroken take where some dude like some samurai kills like 500 dudes i don't know Ooh. the name of it and it's like the f most famous stuntman in japan i watched it yesterday i'm like oh i'm in i'll watch this <laughs> so that looks like it's gonna be right there right going right to the top but i have to say the raid or the raid too uh okay here sorry just had a uh, the whole movies <laughs> all the movies um oh. Okay, here, sorry, we had a little bit of a, a jump in the questions, but I'm back on track now here. Okay, next up, uh, Jonathan J.Q. McGee writes, What if T'Challa had a kid with Storm nobody knew about, uh, and this new Black Panther has the same name with help from his aunt Shuri, or if uh, they find a different T'Challa in the Multiverse of Madness? Uh, well, first of all, um, whenever... I, I don't know what your question is, because never start a question with what if. Because that's not a question. Okay, what if, then you should ask a question. So you say, what if Captain Blue Pants ate donuts for breakfast? Would that mean he got heavy? You know, so make sure you actually ask a question in there. Because um, I don't know what it is you're asking. Okay, so if T'Challa had a kid with Storm that nobody knew about with help from his Aunt Shuri, well, then that's what it would be. Um, <laughs> there's a couple things to know. I don't like it personally when movies rewrite their own history. I'm not a big fan of that. Um, particularly, like, I, for instance, I didn't like it in Bill and Ted 3. 
It's like, come on, we always knew the prophecy was about Bill and Ted. It was never about their daughters. And now you're rewriting it for the sake of this new... Uh, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Um, I don't like doing that. Storm is not in the MCU at this point. There is no Storm in the MCU at this point. Um, if there was ever in, in Black Panther, Rob, the movie itself, there would have been discussion of a lineage heir. There would have been some discussion. If he had had a kid, people would have known about it. He would have talked about it. Grandma would have knew about it. So I, I'm not a big fan of rewriting the history thing to force in something else later. You know what I mean? Um, so while I understand, yeah, he had in the comics, it's like it's one of the best romances in the history of comics, Storm and T'Challa. It's one of the best, probably one of the most iconic comic book covers ever, Rob, is that, co that, that comic cover, Black Panther sitting on his throne with Storm beside him. It is one of the coolest, best comic book covers ever, but it's not in the MCU, at least not yet. And so I, I would say that's it. But I don't know, Rob, could you see them kind of rewriting things and going back and revising the history to make that happen? I, you know, I, yeah, but it just seems too – that's too much of – I hate to say it – too much of a comic book retcon. I just don't see them doing that in the MCU. I mean, the one thing about the MCU, for all – I was talking about this earlier. For all of its fantasticalness, they've made us believe – and I think they, 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 there's things that, that just go too far within the realm of believability within the MCU. And I think that sounds like it's one of them, to me at least. All right. Next up, uh, uh, McCready's Computer writes, Feelings on the unofficial Apocalypse trilogy, The Thing, Prince of Darkness, and In the Mouth of Madness from John Carpenter. Favorite Carpenter films, my top five. Ooh. Halloween, Prince of Darkness, Big Trouble in Little China, In the Mouth of Madness, and The Thing. I'm actually, Rob, and I know this bothers a lot of people, I'm actually not the world's biggest John Carpenter fan. What? Yeah, because I, I don't like Halloween. I don't think that's a good movie. I love his, his iteration of The Thing. I do. Right. I really like Big Trouble in Little China as well. But I've always been kind of middle of the road, honestly, on a lot of his other stuff. Uh, but that's just me personally. But, Rob, I know you. Well, first of all, you own the thing Prince of Darkness into the Mouth of Madness. What are your thoughts on the unofficial Apocalypse trilogy? Well, first of all, McCready's Computer is the greatest name for anybody. I mean, McCready's Computer is, is in reference to the computer that he plays chess on. That he eventually says cheating bitch and dumps his whiskey into the computer, blowing out its its insides in the thing. So I, I love that name. I am a monster John Carpenter fan. And, you know, uh, the first John Carpenter – Halloween was the first pre-recorded video cassette I ever owned. The Fog was the first John Carpenter movie I ever saw in the theater. Um, my dad took me and my buddies to see Escape from New York. I'm a huge Carpenter fan. And I love his – Apocalypse trilogy. I mean, you, the thing came out in 82. Prince of Darkness was 87. And I think in the mouth of madness was 93. I'm not, I forget. But I, first of all, I love all three of those movies. I'm a huge Prince of Darkness fan. Um, they're, they're all great. I mean, and they all have these incredible downbeat endings where basically the world ends. And I'm like, that's the way to end a movie, you know? And, and I think that, um, all three of those movies are so much fun to watch. I've actually watched all three back to back before. But I, you know, Carpenter, you know, if you haven't seen it, have you ever seen his movie Starman with Jeff Bridges and Karen Allen? Oh, um, 
Uh, let me see if I remember this right. Don't you know what the lights mean? Yes. Green light, um, go. Red light, stop. Yellow light, go very fast. Yes. I, yeah, yes. I really, I really, really like that movie. I like Starman. See, if you don't, I've always told people if they don't love John Carpenter to watch Starman because I think that's just a wonderful, wonderful film. And, you know, he, he made that uh, after he made Christine. And I, I, look, I'm just a huge, look, Carpenter's output, admittedly, later in his career, like so many other directors, it started to get a little, Little spotty, Ghosts of Mars, Vampires, even Village of the Damned, The Ward. Maybe not the greatest movies in the world, but he had a run there, an almost two-decade run where he was shooting in widescreen. Man, do I love his work. All right, and it holds move- up. I recently re- re-watched The Fog, and The Fog's really good. Um, let's keep going here. Sam Fisher writes, I know it might be hard, especially now with having to introduce a new Black Panther, but I still want Black Panther 2 to introduce Namor and Storm and be Wakanda versus Atlantis. I just don't know who I want to play Storm now, as I wanted her to be played by Nicole Berry. Uh, I wanted her to play uh, play Storm because she played Rachel Robinson 42, and I thought her and Bozeman had fantastic chemistry. I know chemistry uh, with a love interest is not a great reason for somebody to play a character, but it was my reason. I think there's something very important, Rob, that we need to address here, because you've brought up Namor a couple of times. We're having a few other people bringing up Namor. I think it's very important to point this out. It has not been we do not know that all the legal red tape and rights issues have all been resolved when it comes to Namor. There is still it's I don't think it's as tangled as the hulk issue is with universal i don't think it's as tangled as that but there are still issues with namor and i i do not believe despite what you may have read on uh, fast eddie's gas stash gas station movies dot fart website um the the namor issue i don't believe has been 100 percent put to bed or at least not been announced that they've 100 percent put it to bed yet so we got to keep in mind that while there's been a lot of speculation, and it, it, it could happen about Namor in Black Panther 2, that is by no means, everybody's talking about that like that's a certainty, and it's not. Uh, it's certainly not. And as far as Storm goes, it all depends on the timing, because Rob, we talked about this a lot. When, when asked about the X-Men characters at first, when the, when the Fox takeover happened, Kevin Feige said... It's going to be at least five years because I've got the next five years planned out and I don't see any need to change my plans. Now, that doesn't mean he couldn't change his mind. That doesn't mean that he can't get a great idea one night and change things up. But it all depends on the timing of it because I don't know that he's and I certainly don't know that he would plan on bringing in an individual X-Men character before bringing in the X-Men in general. So I, I don't know that namor or storm were necessarily in the cards and by the way he's got i mean if they continue with t'challa which is a question mark we don't know but you know he's got his love interest already and it's not storm he's got the love of his life t'challa in the mcu already has the love of his life so i mean i don't know rob i i what do you think the chances are that it's going to be Namor and, and, and Storm and all that kind of stuff? Because it's certainly possible and it certainly would be a fan service for sure. But what do you think the actual likelihood of that is? Well, I mean, I, I think, you know, they have to figure out a way to 
introduced the, the big, I think, elephant in the room when it comes to the MCU is what are they going to do with the X-Men? You know, and, and how are they going to do that? And and obviously T'Challa's relationship with Storm is a good way of 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 maybe addressing that. But now, now you're dealing with two hurdles. Of course, if you're going to recast Black Panther and and then are you going to introduce the mutants that way? So there's a lot there's a lot of things that are being asked of with that scenario. Same is true of Namor, because then you have to introduce the whole idea of Atlantis. And like, I love what they did with Aquaman in the DC universe, but having, where was, where were the Atlanteans during the, the blip? You know, where have they been? And, and, and why have we not met them yet? You know, is uh, 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 the earth has been invaded by aliens once Thanos had his big snap. You'd think that somebody would have known about the Atlanteans already, unless they've really been keeping a low profile. So there's a lot, those are a lot of asks. I love Namor. I'd love to see Namor come back uh, or, or show up. But I think, and the X-Men too, but uh, they got to figure out what's going on. They can't just be like, well, here we are. Or maybe they can. But after 23 movies, I don't know. <laughs> it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough. Uh, okay. Uh, let's see. Next up is uh, Willow writes. If they do recast for Black Panther, do you think the new actor, whoever it may be, should try to imitate Chadwick Boseman's version of T'Challa as closely as possible or just do their own take on the character? Well, I think it would be a mixture, to be honest, I because, look, I don't think the philosophical approach, if they choose to go the route of keeping the character of T'Challa, I don't think you go the route of replace Chadwick Boseman. You know, I don't think you go the route of just just clean cut, get in a new actor. Because when Don Cheadle came in to play uh, Rhodey, he really, the, the character changed. And, and I, I'm yeah. not just talking about their look looks, right, Rob? Like that, when you watch how Terrence Howard played Rhodey and you look at the character Rhodey as played by Don Cheadle, it was a different character with a different temperament and a different way of doing things. They really let Don Cheadle replace um, uh, the, the original. I don't think you do that here. You do, and I keep going back to this example, You do in, instead you go the route of carrying on for, which is what they did with Dumbledore in Harry Potter. Right. Now, he uh, Gam. What, what's the actor's name again? G Gam, um, the guy who took over the the role for um, Matt Guy and Bone. Um, who took over the Dumbledore role? Anyway, for Richard Harris, Michael Gambon. Yeah, Gambon. Thank you. It Gambon still, you know, put a little bit of his fingerprint on the role. Yes, he wasn't trying to do a straight up. Richard Harris impersonation there was sure. still Michael it was still Michael Gambon you know what but it was clear it was still Dumbledore it was still that same Dumbledore that was in the last movie that's this Dumbledore now Don Cheadle's roadie was not the same roadie that that uh, that was being played in the previous movie by Terrence Howard at all so I think Willow that if Marvel chooses to steward this legacy by, by carrying on T'Challa, if that's the route they choose, then you don't replace them. You get in an actor who wants to come in and study, not Chadwick, but study T'Challa the way Chadwick portrayed him 
and be committed to portraying that character and putting their own little fingerprint on it as well, but making sure that that is the same character I'm portraying, even if I act a little bit different because I'm my own actor and Chadwick was his own actor, but this is a continuation. I am picking up this mantle for Chadwick to carry on this legacy that Chadwick established. And it's going to be a little bit of his own, but you don't replace him. You know, like, like, like Chris Pine replaced uh, William Shatner. And we got a completely different kind of Captain Kirk, like like um, like we had Rhodey replaced and we had a totally different type of Rhodey. I think you more carry on. Rob, if if they chose to steward the legacy by carrying on T'Challa, what is the best approach for them to take? Uh, I mean, are we saying that we're going to replace him with an actor? Well, I mean, if you're carrying on, if, 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 if Disney decides we are going to keep having the T'Challa character. Okay. Well, then you just have to do it. You know, you have to, you have to replace him. You like nobody when, when Don Cheadle, they didn't go, hi, I know I look different. I'm a different roadie. You know, they, they're, they would just do it and carry on and, and wouldn't make much mention of it at all. You know, I mean, when they replaced Sean Connery as James Bond, they literally had George Lazenby look into the camera at the end of the pre-title sequence. And he literally looks into the camera and says, when the girl runs off, this never happened to the other fellow. I mean, he literally does that. And I think that if they hire like a Chiwetel Ejiofor, if, if Mordu is going to become the new, <laughs> the new T'Challa, that they are just going to do it. And they're not going to acknowledge, you know, they're just going to – they're they're going to carry on and tell the story. I mean, otherwise, if if you make that, you've got to go all in. If you make the decision to replace Chad Bozeman and cast a new T'Challa, you just have to do it because if you don't, it's not fair to the new actor and it's not fair to uh, the fans that might be seeing Black Panther for the first time. All right, Rob. And uh, I just looked out the clock. It's 1130. I know you've got uh, shows that you're working on that you got to go and yes, run and sir. take care of. So in the meantime, where can people follow you and your adventures online? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Burnett RM. Find me on Instagram at Robert Meyer Burnett or find me on my own YouTube channel, The Burnett Work and my show, Rob Observations. All right, dude. And don't forget to watch that link I sent you and uh, let oh, me know your thoughts it. on it. All right, guys. Uh, thanks a lot, Robert, for being here. We'll see you again later. All right. In the meantime, guys, we still have some time here. So let's keep firing through as many of your questions as we can. Next up, Sam Fisher writes, I remember seeing him on an episode of CSI. Yeah, he did a lot of television work before he really he did a lot of small episodic television work before he broke through um, see, an episode of CSI New York two weeks ago during a rewatch. I remember going, holy shit, Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, listen. And by the way, one of my first times I got to see him and I totally had no idea who he was and, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, Aaron Cummings, who is on this show on Thursdays, Aaron Cummings had a show on ABC for a while called Detroit 187. And uh, one of Chadwick's earlier performances, a, a guest spot appearances was on that show as well. So, yeah, he did a lot of television stuff uh, before he uh, got really broke through with his uh, movie stuff. All right. Next up, Carl Ritchie writes, hey, John, so so appreciate your show. Thank you so much. I'd like to hear your thoughts on the degree of responsibility the mountain of entertainment has in stewarding our culture. Thanks and be blessed. Well, I mean, that's 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 a that's a book that you write. Ultimately, 
I don't feel entertainment has any responsibility to stewarding our culture. I think entertainment is a reflection of our culture. It's also very influential. I mean, our, our pop culture media and stuff like that is all, I'm not denying it has influence. I'm not denying it has influence, but I really don't know that it has a lot of responsibility. You know, I think entertainment, you know, as Rob always puts it, it's not show friends, it's show business. And, you know, their number one responsibility is like any business. I mean, there are rules you need to follow. Yes. And all, like everybody else, but beyond that entertainment business is like any other business. You do what you need to do to make money. And as long as you're following the rules that dictate how we handle business and how we are to conduct ourselves as any citizens of our culture, then that's your number one responsibility. Now, what I think you're seeing, though, is, is that studios are starting to realize, oh, if you act like even more socially responsible, you can make really big money. And there's big money in doing that, too. So, but... The bottom line for them, for, for whatever reason, I feel like we as people, we want to put a bigger responsibility on the entertainment business than we want to put on any other businesses. Nobody talks about the responsibility of Levi's. Nobody talks about the responsibility that Ford has or that, you know, Wendy's has. Although we, as businesses, they have to follow certain rules too, and they should, and we should hold them to certain standards. But I don't think entertainment is any more so. I don't, I don't know that entertainment's any more so. I think they should be held to the sta same standards that we would with just about any kind of business. But there is no denying they do, they do carry a heavier influence. I, I'm not denying that at all. Anyway, we, that's a discussion that could be talked about literally. Literally, that is that is a discussion that we could sit here and talk about for two or three hours. Uh, so, but that, so that's my best quick answer on that, Carl. Thanks for asking. All right, Alan writes, Hey, John and Rob, uh, saw the new mutants, uh, Bill and Ted 3 over the weekend. Also, did you hear the story about Elizabeth Olsen deactivating Instagram after receiving threats because she didn't comment on Bozeman? Hey, listen, yeah, we, we talked about that a little bit earlier today uh, on the show today. Absolutely disgraceful. This is one of the reasons... Like I got off Twitter for two and a half months um, because it's just Twitter is an absolute cesspool. And I just hated seeing everybody doing what they were doing online. It just bothered me. So I just got, I just decided to get off it. Now, a, a few weeks ago, I started very slowly. I think I've put out maybe five or six tweets in the past I used to put out like 10 tweets a day. I think I've put out five or six tweets, maybe seven tweets in the last three weeks. I don't know, but I honestly think I'm just going to get, get off Twitter again. Nothing. People just act like jackals. And it's like, you know what? It, here's the thing. Everybody's an expert on how other people should act. Everybody's an expert on how other people should act. You know, Elizabeth Olsen. Okay. She chooses not to get on social media to put on a show for everybody. Oh, here, everybody, I'll put on a show for you. Here's my big thought of condolences and whatever. She chose not to do that publicly. But we've got these jackals who have never done anything good in their lives. Wanting to get out there and criticize how somebody else isn't saying something. I don't know. It's to me, it's absolutely, utterly ridiculous. It's, it's just a sign of, uh, 
it, it's just a sign of the times right now. Anyway, uh, let's see here. Next up, Russell Amador writes, Hey, John, outside of the upcoming Tenet release, which other movies coming out will be worth the four-hour drive for you to go to Vegas? I'll be stepping out uh, to the theater for the first time since the way back, so hopefully it goes well. Well, hopefully, I'm not going to have to make that long of a drive again because apparently theaters are opening in San Diego. And I'm only about an hour and a half away from San Diego. So as opposed to three and a half or four hours it took me to get to Vegas to go see New Mutants, hopefully starting this week, I'm going to be able to make like an hour and a half drive. And an hour and a half drive? I'll do that for almost any movie if I have to. The other great thing is um, Anne's mom lives halfway between us and San Diego. So we can literally, I can drive to Ann's mom's place, visit Ann, Ann's mom and, uh, and Ray and my buddy Ryan who lives out there too, and then make the rest of the 45 minute trek down into San Diego. So fortunately, Russell, I'm going to, if everything goes well, and if their theaters operate with the same care and precision and strict guidelines that I saw the theater in Las Vegas conducting themselves with. If San Diego conducts themselves with the same strict procedures, I could see myself driving down to San Diego five or six times a month to drive down there to see things. An hour and a half drive is much more manageable than the three-hour drive. All right. Uh, Rodney B. writes, review Lovecraft Country, please. Well, I can tell you, listen, I've seen two episodes so far. And it's a tale of two cities. The first episode of Lovecraft Country is awesome. I loved it. And remember I said I've only put up a couple of tweets in the past little while? One of them was strictly to say, holy crap, this Lovecraft Country show is great. And then I watched episode two. I didn't like episode two. Like, at all. I thought it felt really sloppy. I thought it felt really random. Um, and I didn't enjoy episode two nearly as much as I liked episode one. So that's where I'm at right now. I think they just aired episode three. So I'm looking forward to seeing episode three to see if it'll be, hey, is this show going to be more like episode one was, or is it going to be more like episode two was? So I don't know. I have, maybe I'll love episode three. I hope I love episode three because I loved episode one. So we'll have to see. So that's my thoughts on Lovecraft uh, Country right now. All right. BMC writes. I don't know about her taking up the mantle of Black Panther, but what do you think about Okoye leading uh, leading the next film? The MCU has already groomed her as uh, as a leader, and it would make uh, the T'Challa dusting uh, scene in Infinity War holding her hand that much more poetic. Hey, listen, Rob raised up the issue of uh, Okoye as well. I mean, Okoye is, the, is a military leader. Like, remember in Infinity War, Sorry, in Endgame, at the beginning of Endgame, we see her like really challenging um, Black Widow, right? We see her challenging that. And I, I think there's something to be said for that. Now, she has zero diplomacy skills. <laughs> I mean, that they show that in Black Panther. She is not a diplomat at all. But, I mean, there's certainly a lot of potential. Okoye is just one of the coolest characters they've got in the MCU. 
Like, just one of the coolest characters. I, I just love her. All right, uh, next up, uh, Luis R. writes, In regards to New Mutants, Rob mentioned that the popped collar was the sign of a douchebag in the 80s. But isn't that when the movie started production? <laughs> it feels like it, doesn't it? It's like, didn't they go? Like, seriously, it is so funny now. I saw a picture of uh, a couple of the New Mutants cast together on a Zoom call recently. And they look so different. They all look so different than they did when they shot that movie. I mean, it it is crazy. It's it's going to be one of the interesting stories. Like that that literally was a movie announced five years ago. I believe it completed production three years ago. Um, it's just just a crazy crazy story about that movie, and it, it comes to a very quiet end. I I liked it, but there's a lot to not like about that movie too. Uh, there's a lot to not like about the movie. Uh, poorly done characters, no character development. A lot of the dialogue was bad. I just like the premise so much that that was enough to carry it to me to at least enjoy the movie. But would I call it a good movie? Uh, probably not. So it's unfortunate that we had to go through all this drama for so many years to end up with what we got. All right, next up, Thomas writes, Hey, John and crew. During the weekend, I decided to watch a movie trilogy I haven't seen in a while. Riddick. Oh, wow. Riddick. And I just read an article that Riddick 4 is coming out and I'm excited. Are you just ex as excited as I am? Thanks and have an awesome day. I actually thought the Riddick movies were all terrible. I did. And I'm a big Vin Diesel fan. I say that as a major Vin Diesel fan. I like Vin Diesel very, very much. I'm not a fan of the Riddick. Either Pitch Black, I didn't think was all that good. I didn't like, even with uh, Carl Urban, I did not like the uh, Riddick films. And I am in the, amongst my friends, I'm in the minority because a lot of my friends love those Riddick films. I'm not, but I got to admit, I'm not, even though I'm a big Vin Diesel fan, I'm not a big fan of the Riddick movies. Uh, they just never really clicked for me. They never worked for me. Um, so anyway, so no, I not so excited about them. I'll obviously give it a chance if, and when it ever actually does come out, but, and if it ever actually comes to any sort of completion, but, uh, I can't, can't lie to you, Thomas, not a big Riddick fan. All right. Uh, Dave, the rave writes, I saw a tenant tonight. Nice, stunning and thought provoking. Definitely hard to follow till you understand. Second time will be easier for sure. Oh, second time will be for sure. Best part is the Dune teaser before the movie. We were just talking about some people reporting that they've seen the Dune trailer. Fantastic. Says first trailer, September 9th. Top of my list for 2020 to see. Oh, so they showed you a teaser to the full trailer coming out. Interesting. Okay, thank you for specifying. I just assumed that this trailer that they were going to drop on the 9th was going to be online, but they were actually letting people see it in theaters. So what you're saying is... What they're showing in theaters is just a teaser of what this full trailer was going to be. Interesting to know. I am so excited for that. I mean, look, I'm looking forward to making the drive to see Tenet anyway. That's my second most anticipated movie of this year right now that I still have to see. Dune is the first. So to get a glimpse of that trailer, I, it just adds to the motivation of it, Dave. Thank you for sharing. Thanks for the info on that. All right. Uh, Zevia, Sons of Bitches, writes, I'm surprised Ben being back as Batman got you so excited for a movie with so much uh, behind-the-scenes drama. Even if Daniel Day-Lewis is cast as Batman, um, if, it's as, if it's as a cameo in a movie that's, that's had 17 directors and several page one rewrites, I'm just not hyped at all. Listen, I'm not going to lie. 
I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I'm super excited for the Flash movie. I'm not. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm interested in the movie. I absolutely am. But you're right. Four director changes, like three full rewrites, like all the drama that's going on and the confusion and the lack of direction, apparently until Walter Hamada got there, to, like Ezra Miller trying to replace the script with his own script and all this kind of stuff. It, it's it's a movie I have to look at, but they got a great, I like their director. I mean, they got a great director on board now, but they had good directors before too. And we'll see how that plays out. But but listen, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You could tell me that Ben Affleck was going to show up for a short cameo as Bruce Wayne slash Batman in Ow, There's a Pimple on My Ass Part 3, the movie. I'd still be excited. Now, I haven't seen Ow, There's a Pimple on My Ass Parts 1 or 2, so maybe I'll be a little bit lost in Ow, There's a Pimple on My Ass Part 3. Maybe I won't be able to follow along so well. But it doesn't matter. If it's Ben Affleck... For 10 seconds as Bruce Wayne Batman, I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, I, I'm totally down. I, it doesn't matter. So, yeah, I'm not super excited for this Flash project because of all the drama that's gone on behind it. I'm still interested. Still interested. But that's not what gets me excited. Just It's just Ben Affleck, who's my favorite iteration of Batman of all time. Just to see him on screen again, even if it's only once. And even if it's just for 30 seconds, and it might be more, I'm just saying, even if it's just for 30 seconds, I'm excited about that because I never thought, I never thought that we would get another second of Ben Affleck as Batman. And that's what gets me excited. All right. Uh, Ryan Lohner writes, uh, and if any of you want to give me a quick update on what happens in Al, there's a pimple on my ass parts one and two, so I can be ready for part three, that would be great. All right. Ryan Lohner writes, uh, full disclosure, I haven't seen Tenet and it may well be as confusing as people say, but it's a little hard for me to take seriously uh, when I've seen so many people swear up and down that Inception, Westworld, The Witcher and Dark are impossible to understand, yet I've never had a single problem following any of them. Sometimes I just want to yell. Uh, weren't you paying attention? Well, I mean, but it, see, here's, here's the thing, Ryan. The question isn't, do you hear some people saying it? The question is, who do you hear saying that? It's a question of who you hear saying that. Is there a person, you know, who is saying that tenant is too difficult to follow also the same person who said to you that the Witcher was too difficult to follow. Is it the same person? If it's not, then it's not equivalent, right? You, you can't look at it that way. And you also got to understand, because different people pay attention to different parts of a story, sometimes even a story that's maybe not that hard to follow can lose some people, depending on what the focus is, is being made of. Also, Christopher Nolan is a director who, as he's gotten older, has liked to make his movies more and more convoluted. And that can have excellent effect. But if you're not careful, it can also have... Because I'm hearing from people who even like the movie going, yeah, I liked it. I didn't really get it, though. 
And I'm hearing people that I know who have never had a problem following Westworld or Witcher or Inception. I've heard people who've had no problem with those properties saying, yeah, Tenet's a little tricky to follow. Now, again, I can't speak to that because I haven't seen it myself yet. I may watch it and think, what's the problem? This was easy to follow. Or maybe I'll go, what the F was that? I have no idea what was going on. I don't know. I, I, I So I have no dog in this fight right now. But I think it would all depend on who it is that's saying it. Because like I said, I'm hearing some people saying it's pretty confusing. And these same people have never had a problem following Westworld or Witcher or Inception or anything like that. So it all depends on who's saying it, I suppose. But I'm excited. Nonetheless, even with everybody, uh, so many people saying that's a rather confusing film, I'm still excited to see it because it's Christopher Nolan. And I have never disliked a Christopher Nolan film. So we'll have to see how that goes. All right. I'm Batman writes. Uh, showed a, a tease of Dune during Tenet, uh, which I liked. It looks beautiful. Full trailer comes September 9th. I've, uh, I've never seen the original, but we'll watch it before this one. You think it will flop like 2049? I think so. It is impossible to say until I start seeing the trailers. Nothing is more important to getting people into the theaters than the trailers. That That's the number. It's not the only thing. But it's the most important thing. 2049 botched their marketing. Their trailers were terrible. None of their trailers ever gave the slightest hint to the audience about what the movie was about. It, it like I've always given the example. It's like walking into Best Buy and seeing just a blank white box with a price tag, $25. And you ask an associate, oh, what's in that box that costs $24? And then having the associate tell you, oh, we can't tell you that. It would spoil the surprise. Trust us though, you should buy that white box of mystery and just take it home. You're not gonna buy the white box of mystery. And that is essentially what the Blade Runner 2049 marketing was. It was a plain white box of mystery. They, they literally, when you watch those trailers, they don't tell you anything about what the movie's about. Nothing. They don't even tell you what it's about. And so people felt no desire to go out and see it. If they botched the marketing for Dune the way they botched the marketing for Blade Runner 2049, which, by the way, was a great movie. But if they botched the marketing for Dune just like they did for that, then yeah, they're going to they're gonna suffer from the same problems. If, however, they put together trailers that are exciting and makes it sound like a story, like tell the audience, this is what this movie is about. And if they tell it in such a way that's exciting and gets the blood pumping and looks like a good time at the movies, then no, it won't suffer the same fate as Blade Runner 24. It all depends on this marketing campaign. I really believe that. It all depends on the marketing campaign. We'll see how that goes. And I'm a little bit jealous, I'm Batman, that you got to see that teaser. All right, next up, Preston the Kryptonian writes, uh, Hey, John, I've always been pretty vague on this, but I have a question about the structure of movies themselves. How do you know how acts in a movie start and end? Also, how many there are? It may be obvious to others, but I'm clueless on the subject. Hey, no problem, Preston. Listen, the three-act structure is something that a lot of people ask about all the time. Um, but I will tell you what I've told other people who've written in and asked about it. The best thing to do is just hop on Google and, and search uh, three-act structure. 
just just do a Google search for that and you'll find a bunch of really, really helpful articles that'll do a better thing than me. Basically speaking, uh, most, most, the vast, 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 vast majority of movies are broken into three acts, right? You have your introductory act that sets up who your characters are, what the premise is, and what the conflict is. Act two is basically now with our antagonists engaging with that conflict. Act three is that you turn a certain corner now that heads you towards the conclusion of the story. Now, I've described this in 50 different ways before, but it's, it's when you recognize that, it actually becomes pretty easy in, in a movie to see when those transitions are happening. It's like, okay, we're into act two now, right? It becomes pretty simple. But again, the instead of me trying to stumble my way through it, the best thing to do is go look up a quick article on it. Um, and it's really kind of simple. It really is kind of simple. Once you know what to look for, it becomes pretty obvious. It becomes pretty clear. But don't feel bad about asking, Preston. You're certainly not the first person to do it. And it's good on you for asking. All right. Jose S., the M Cluster writes, one of two. Um, I didn't get the chance to weigh in yesterday, but I was absolutely crushed when I found out Chadwick Boseman when I found out about Chadwick Boseman's passing. But regarding what Marvel should do, I firmly believe that decision should be based on whether or not they are done telling T'Challa's story. I agree. Uh, if they have more story to tell, especially if that story affects other areas of the MCU, um, of the MCU, I believe not only do they need to recast, but I believe Boseman would want Marvel to fully realize T'Challa's potential. R.I.P. King, uh, King Wakanda forever and again listen i understand that there are going to be two different points of view when it comes to how does marvel carry on and steward this legacy now moving forward and personally my belief is it to, it's not the black panther mask that became an inspiration to hundreds of millions of people it's t'challa became an inspiration to hundreds of millions of people and meant so much to so many people. And we've only just started to see him in this, this character in these stories being told. That's why I personally believe that the best way to steward this legacy that Chadwick Boseman helped establish is to carry it on. Bring in another actor, not to remember, we've talked a lot about the distinction between replacing and carrying on. You don't replace Chadwick Boseman. You bring in another actor to carry on, carry on this T'Challa character that is such an inspiration and so important to so many people. And there are still so many stories to tell. And listen, you know, uh, uh, Ryan Coogler always says he's already been writing Black Panther 2. Now, he'd been writing it thinking that it was Chadwick Boseman, but it's already been they look, they clearly have stories to tell with T'Challa. Now, at the same time, Robert makes a very compelling case too about hey maybe the best way to steward this legacy is to say t'challa the character has passed on and we're going to leave that character now to the side to remember and revere but we're going to move on with different characters now there's a compelling argument to be made for that too i'm not pretending there's not and look i still believe whichever way disney decides to go whether they decide to move forward carrying on the legacy of T'Challa or whether they decide to retire the legacy of T'Challa. Either way, I think they're going to do it with the greatest of consideration, the greatest of care, and with the greatest of respect. 
I really do. So, but uh, I mean, per- currently, I I personally lean towards. I think you bring in somebody to carry on for Chadwick Boseman. That that's my personal thought. But you know, they'll they'll reach those decisions and they'll do it with great care and consideration. All right, Omar writes. Hey, John, theaters are opening here in San Diego, September 2nd. I know I've heard it will be like a two, two and a half hours shorter drive for me to get there. Um, theaters are opening here in San Diego on September 2nd. So excited to see Tenet. Uh, so far, only Regal has t- tickets up for sale. Anyway, thought I'd let you know so you don't have to drive all the way to Vegas again. LOL. Stay classy, everyone. So, yeah, no, agree. And again, I just really hope that if I do make that drive down there, that I see that their movie theaters are taking the same care, same safety precautions, and and same strict guidelines that I saw at play in Las Vegas. Because I was very impressed with what I saw in Las Vegas. Like I said, I felt far, it is, I didn't just feel it, it was far safer walking into that theater than it was walking into a grocery store. And my grocery stores make me feel really safe walking in. But that theater felt way safer than a grocery store. Um, and hopefully San Diego will, uh, will do that as well. All right. James L H writes, Hey John, one of three first RIP Chadwick Boseman. I wanted to praise how well you and Rob discussed his legacy. I liked how you had different views of the future of black Panther regards, uh, regarding black Panther. I hope people can respect whatever they decide is with best intentions. I was thinking when I first saw Chadwick, it was an ensemble show. Only one season person unknown by Chris McQuarrie about seven strangers in a town with no memories, how they got there. It was interesting. His first starring role I saw was 42 baseball is not widely viewed in the UK, so I don't watch it, but I have liked movies involving baseball example, example field of dreams. I watched 42 partly, uh, partly for the true story. Story. Also, I admit as Harris as a Harrison Ford fan, uh, but by the end, it's it's remembering the standup performance of Chadwick Boseman. Absolutely agree. You know, I we put up a poll on yesterday's show asking everybody what is you, what do you think was the best Chadwick Chadwick Boseman performance? And obviously, the vast majority of people said Black Panther. Personally, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that. A lot of people have not seen his other movies. And that's fine. That's fair. But it's also the main reason, like, when they announced Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther, most people were like, who? Who is Black Panther? Like, they wanted to see a famous name, right? But they got this Chadwick Boseman. But I, by by luck and circumstance, had seen 42 and had seen Get On Up, directed by Tate Taylor both starring Chadwick Boseman. I really liked him in 42, but I didn't really know him. And then when I saw him again, it's like, oh, this is that 42 guy? Okay, let's see. It was in Get On Up with his portrayal of James Brown that made me go, holy sheep shits, this dude is great. This dude's great. And so when they announced that this dude from 42 and get on up was black Panther. It was like, Oh my God, this is awesome. Like I, I was very, very excited about that. So, uh, anyway. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Uh, so we got time for one more. Okay. One more, uh, J R writes, uh, I think the weight 
that would fall on Letitia Wright's shoulders as Shuri taking over the role of Black Panther would be far less than the weight put on another actor uh, by the film fans coming in to take over the role of T'Challa. Plus, have to agree with Rob, incorporating the death of T'Challa early on is an acknowledgement that no one could replace the great Chadwick Boseman, and it gives Shuri an emotional story of trauma, coming to terms with losing not a king, but a brother and having to struggle with uh, having to struggle with uh, not knowing if she is really ready to be the next Black Panther or Queen. It puts the character of Shuri in a situation of mourning, something we all feel right now, so we can connect with the character even deeper, and it makes and it makes the transition far smoother. We connect, we cry. Uh, by the end of it, we say, Shuri, we as the fans truly embrace and accept you as the new Black Panther to succeed T'Challa and Chadwick Boseman. Sorry, my number was all replaced. No problem with that. Again, here's the problem, though. What you're saying makes sense if Black Panther 2 was going to come out in four months. Black Panther 2 earliest that's going to come out is going to be 2023, at least three years from now. So all this well, well expressed emotional emotionality you've just put in here. It, it really, it's, that's not the case three years from now. Also, I, I just don't think, again, if you look at the world of Wakanda the way it is, Shuri being Black Panther or the Monarch makes no sense. Like, that's just my take on it. I'm not discrediting your take. You have your take, but you're asking me my opinion, so I'm going to give you my take. My take, and yours may be right, and I may be wrong, but I'm just going to give you my take. My take is it makes absolutely zero sense. Shuri has no interest in being a Monarch. She has, she has not been groomed to be a leader. She is the most intelligent person in the world. She wants to live in the lab. That's where she wants to be. And she can't withstand anybody's challenge to her wanting the throne. You know, Nokia has a claim and she would easily beat Shuri in hand-to-hand -hand combat. Obviously, M'Baku has a claim and was very, very close to becoming the king of Wakanda. He spent his life being the leader of his tribe, and he is a warrior. Shuri is not. You know, Shuri slaps on her blasters, but I mean, without those, what's she going to do? She hasn't trained in hand-to-hand -hand combat for her whole life. She's been studying to be the smartest person in the world her whole life. Also, this whole thing about the pressure on the actor, it's a non-issue. It's a non-issue. We, we, we've seen that said a lot in a lot of, of, of things like that, like the pressure of being the new Superman, the pressure of being the new Batman, the pressure of being the new James Bond. Yeah, the actors come in and they do it. I mean, it's, it is what it is. I, I think we as fans, and I know I've done this too. I, I know I'm as guilty as this as anybody. I think we as fans really overplay that. I think we overestimate what what that really is. Uh, that's just that's just my 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 uh, my take on it. I think we overplay how much that really is. But again, while we know Shuri from as Rob would say from a verisimilitude point of view, and again, I'm only making these arguments that I made back in between Infinity War when we didn't know Shuri was dusted. Uh, we didn't know Shuri was dusted until Endgame came. We, we all thought Shuri was still alive, but in between Infinity War and Endgame, yeah, no, it makes no sense. She has no real claim to the throne. She has no skills to assume the throne. She has no skills to be a Black Panther. Um, and she would never survive the challenge.
you know, her claim to the throne is open to challenge and she can't beat, you know, Nakia or M'Baku in hand-to-hand -hand combat for the throne. Ergo, I, I really don't see it making any logical sense. Now, that doesn't mean that's not what Disney would do. There is a difference between what I think would make sense and what Disney will actually do, right? There could be a difference there. And they very well may decide to throw logic to the wind and do that. There's a very good chance they could do that. I just think it, it's completely inconsistent with what they have set up in the movies. The Shuri character they have shown us so far and the Wakandan culture they have shown us so far, it would be radically inconsistent with that character and with that culture that she would become both the new monarch and the new Black Panther. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, uh, at least to me. Now, there's going to be many others who disagree. And they may be right and I may be wrong, but that's just kind of my take on it right now. Anyway, guys, listen, there are still questions to come from uh, another from JR, uh, Rogue Mammoth, Mischievous Gremlin. So what we will do is we will pick up tomorrow on tomorrow's John Campus Show and we will start off with those questions. By the way, going to let you guys know that um, Rob isn't going to be on the show tomorrow. I have a special guest uh, coming on the show with me tomorrow. A friend of mine, one of the great film critics in the world, uh, Scott Mance. Scott Movie Mance is is actually going to come on and uh, he's going to be a guest on the show tomorrow, which I'm very excited about. I love Scott. Um, anyway, so I hope you guys will join me then. And of course, guys, the questions we haven't uh, gotten to yet, we will start off and we will get through all the questions tomorrow. So uh, thanks for your understanding on that. Oh boy, we've gone over time. So the first half, of, the first part of the show is going to be missing from YouTube, unfortunately. All right, guys. Thank you so much for being here and making this show a part of your day. Guys, please remember, do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves. Please take care of the people around you. Special thanks to all you guys who sent in these live questions because number one, you gave us great fun things to talk about, but number two, you supported this channel while you did it. And all of us here, thank you guys very much for that. So guys, that'll do it for me until tomorrow night. My name is John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.